Tonight, the police investigation into Faisal Hussein is made public. It's June 24th. I'm David Menzies, and this is the Ezra Levent Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon Ezra. consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. So, almost a year after that grotesque act of carnage that would come to be known as the Danforth shooting, the Toronto Police investigation into this mass shooting was finally released to the public on Friday. Now, the actual investigation had wrapped many moons ago, yet it isn't all that surprising why the police weren't champing at the bit to release this document in the first place. That's because this previously embargoed investigation is truly incredible, not for what it says, but rather for what, for what it doesn't say. Indeed, if you had to give this investigation a working title, it would surely be Operation Nothing Burger. To recap, last July, Faisal Hussein walked along Toronto's delightful Danforth Avenue on a sublime Sunday evening as citizens, both young and old, were eating ice cream and sipping lattes. Hussein started selectively shooting people. He killed two and injured 13 before turning the gun on himself. By the way, when I say selectively shooting people, that's because not everyone Hussein encountered that evening was deemed to be a suitable and therefore shootable target. I'll expand on that a little later on. In any event, when the dust settled, we yet again bore witness to the bitter harvest of another mass shooting. Yet again, another gross act of terrorism had erupted, even though the usual suspects were aghast when it came to actually uttering the dreaded T-word, given the identity politics at play here. As is par for the course, the du rigueur makeshift memorials popped up all around, followed by the usual speeches of how the dearly departed world would be in our thoughts and in our prayers. And of course, there were more teddy bears than one finds at a typical carny game. We've seen it all before. We'll surely see more of it in the future. Welcome to the new abnormal. And yet, from the get-go, so many things about this particular mass shooting, they just didn't add up. For starters, it was most curious why the Toronto police employed the cone of silence pertaining to the identity of the deceased gunman. More than 24 hours would elapse before the name Faisal Hussein would finally be made public. This was truly inexplicable. The cops knew who the dead gunman was, and his next of kin had been notified, so why the delay? Well, incredibly, someone took the time to pen a press release on the behalf of the gunman's mother and father. I'm not kidding. This media release, written in perfect English, would adroitly explain their son's struggle with mental illness. But of course it would, for this seems to be the ongoing narrative when it comes to a Muslim carrying out acts of terror these days. It has nothing to do with the ideology or the radicalization, but rather it's the end result of mental illness. Indeed, remember the case of Ayanli Hassan Ali? In March 2016, the then 30-year-old burst into a Canadian Forces recruiting office in North Toronto, wielding a large kitchen knife. 
Ali punched, slashed, and stabbed the corporal at the entrance. He then tried to stab another sergeant who'd fallen to the ground. When Ali was finally subdued, he was charged with nine counts, including attempted murder. But just like Mr. Hussein, there was no Islamofascism to be seen here, folks. Even though, according to the Ontario Review Board, Ali continues to express concerns about the Canadian government and its interactions with Muslim countries. And he expressed disappointment that he wasn't killed when he was taken down. But hey, he was probably joking about all that wild and crazy Sharia stuff, eh? It's simply an outbreak of schizophrenia or, or something. Oh, and by the way, unlike Hussein, Ali is very much alive. And when he's soon released from the loony bin, the theory is that the, his best form of therapy for his reintegration into society is to enroll at a course at Hamilton's Mohawk College, even though he still poses a threat to public safety. Hey, Mohawk students, you might want to put a flak jacket on your back-to-school checklist come September. All of which raises the question, why is it that Islamism and mental illness must be mutually exclusive? What if the likes of Ali and Hussein are mentally unstable and also individuals who willingly bought into the radical Islamist agenda too? But apparently even entertaining that thought is too culturally insensitive when it comes to a certain rapidly growing voting bloc. So no radical Islam to see here, folks. Move along, move along. And my goodness, that press release issued by the Hussein family was such a polished document. <laughs> Little wonder for it would later be revealed by the Toronto Sun's Anthony Fury that the release was penned by a spin doctor by the name of Mohammed Hashim. Hashim is a full-time organizer for the Toronto and York Region Labour Council, who also happens to be a driving force behind the National Council of Canadian Muslims. As Fury noted in his column, Hashim is someone who's committed to, quote, framing a new narrative of Muslims in Canada, end quote. Well, that's interesting. What new narrative would that be? And what, pray tell, is Muslim narrative classic, for that matter? Regardless, a gun-toting Muslim killing innocent people clearly doesn't fit with whatever narrative Hashim is trying to manufacture. Even more fascinating is how this particular spin doctor was able to snag this freelance gig in the first place. And by that I mean, I speak of the tangible nitty-gritty process of Hashim being hired to write the mental illness script. I mean, who reached out to this individual to put that ball in play? Was it someone in law enforcement or government or the bureaucracy or <laughs> Commissioner Gordon illuminating the bat signal? And if it wasn't law enforcement acting as the go-between, then why were the police so cooperative in ragging the puck when it came to not revealing Faisal's name. I personally asked those questions to anyone who would listen almost a year ago, and all my queries were met with radio silence. Look, I've been in this game for many moons. I can't recall an incident in which, say, some Toronto gangbanger was shot dead in Toronto and the police put off releasing his name for more than 24 hours so that a spin doctor could concoct a press release for the thug's family. So again, could it be that for the politically correct chorus of the five Ps, 
the politicians, the prosecutors, the police, the professors, and the press. This business of Muslims committing acts of terrorism kind of goes against the grain. We are continually force-fed that Islam is a religion of peace, even when very often it isn't. Indeed, compare Hussein's acts of carnage with that of another Toronto maniac who conducted his massacre just three months prior to the Danforth shooting. I speak of Alec Manassian, who killed 10 people and injured 15 others when he went on a deadly rampage down Young Street behind the wheel of a rented cargo van. Yet, even though the body count far exceeded what Faisal Hussein manufactured, Maniasin's name was released almost as soon as he was arrested. There was certainly no outreach campaign to hire a spin doctor to craft a fancy press release on behalf of the Maniasin family. So again, the question rises, why? Is it because the authorities are increasingly hypersensitive in this day and age of M103? that when it comes to stating anything that might come across as giving a PR black eye to the adherents of the religion of peace, that's just wrong. It brings to mind that rainy day last July when my cameraman Efren and I went down to the Danforth near a makeshift shrine for the victims to ask people what they thought of a breaking story reported by CBS that Hussein had visited ISIS websites and had actually pledged his support for ISIS. Yet merely asking people to weigh in on this breaking news was over the top triggering for a woman complaining to be a high school teacher. So it was that she found it necessary to inter interrupt an interview I was conducting to give us what turned out to be a verbal whipping just for asking questions she deemed to be insensitive and inappropriate. Check it out. If there is terrorism, why are the authorities so reluctant to call it terrorism? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's just awful. It's just awful. Excuse? This is a moment for like our community. Can you please not descend into racist things right now? Please don't. What, I'm sorry, what did I say that was racist? Don't come here. The rebel, really? You, didn't, you don't need to be here right now. This is our community. Folks, Please. did I say anything that was racist? Yes, or, you asked if the man... I, well, actually... You asked if the shooter had visited ISIS websites. That is not... No, okay. I said CBS in the U.S. This is not okay. I said CBS no, in the U.S. No, is reporting that. Okay. The rebel is not okay. That is, does not represent Canadian values. Why are you so mad, ma'am? This is, this is a news report that broke today. Can I call you back? This is not what we're about. I'm sorry. This is not what Canada is about. Canada is not about racism. Okay, well, I will not stand for it. You're the one that's raising race. This is a wall. You just asked if the man was a part of ISIS. Ma'am, if if you listened, can I speak? I'll, I'll let you speak. Can I can I clarify? No, CBS in the uh, CBS in the U.S. is reporting that he had CBS. That's like that's like reporting on Fox. Fake news. Really? Man. Fake the rebel. Fake news. Okay. Fake news. What's real news? People that actually have a media outlet that is real and not racist. Like CBC? Is, dude. Yes, like CBC, it's better. It's not perfect, but it's definitely better. Now, for anyone who hasn't seen this video, I urge you to view it in its entirety because th the idea that this woman is in a position to influence young minds is downright disturbing. In any event, it concludes with this woman yelling in the rain, contemplating that she's thinking of calling the cops so that we can be taken away for merely asking questions she deemed to be, quote, 
racist crap hate speech, end quote. Check it out. On you, on you talking racist crap in front of my community. What would be the charge, ma'am? You're going to call the police? People about stuff that's completely inaccurate and irrelevant. This is You're illegal under Canadian law? Uh, you know what? Unfortunately not. But if you start spewing racist crap that is hate speech, yes, it is illegal. And can you tell me exactly what I spouted as racist crap hate speech? You're, you're making assumptions about an individual that is now dead that we don't need to be talking no. about in this respect. No, I we said that CBS was reporting an angle and I was getting people to it's comment. CBS! Why are you quoting the United States? We live in Canada. Yeah. It's Stop. a Canadian story. It's a Canadian story. It's my, it's our story. It's my community's story. Okay. You have no business being here with your racist crap. Okay. Get your racist crap out of my community. Get it out now. Well, I fail to see where I'm racist, but anyways. Yeah, we, read your own stuff online, bro. Seriously, <laughs> wake the fuck up. Enjoy your ice cream, guys. You know, isn't it amazing that she's more concerned about the feelings of a deceased terrorist than she is about Hussein's innocent victims, given that she was so triggered that we were, quote, making assumptions about an individual that is now dead, end quote, even though we weren't making assumptions at all, but merely asking questions based on a CBS News report. But I think her unhinged attitude goes to show the hypersensitivity when it comes to all things Islam in certain quarters. Because if the gunman Hussein wasn't a member of this protected class, if Faisal Hussein's name was Joe Smith, and he was a white supremacist. I don't think this teacher would have endured such a meltdown, and I don't think a spin doctor would have been hired to massage the message. All of which brings me to Friday's news, or non-news as the case may be. Typically, I would start a commentary with the latest news, but that's the thing with the Faisal Hussein case. There is no real news. Because this investigation proved to be a whole lot of nothing. For example, we were told that Hussein suffered from mental illness, but we had already been informed of that when that press release was concocted some 11 months ago. Moving on, the biggest question, the thing everybody was waiting to hear was this. What was Hussein's motive? And the answer is, well, the cops have no answer. They have no idea what his motive was, despite their intense investigation. <laughs> Amazing. Indeed, writing in the Toronto Sun, columnist Joe Warmington nailed it. Wrote Warmington, quote, Sorry, Juliana Kozis and Reese Fallon. They just don't know why you were murdered by Faisal Hussein on the Danforth on July 22, 2018. The one question the family and the public wanted to know is why, Chief Mark Saunders said Friday. Although we collected all of the evidence that was available to us for this crime, a crime where the shooter died at the scene, we may never know the answer to why. To add even more insult to injury, Saunders said, there's no evidence Hussein was affiliated with radical ideologies, hate groups, or terrorist organizations, but he did have a mental health history, end quote. Oh, it's an insult to injury, all right. Also of note, the investigation didn't even touch upon a, a sidebar issue regarding the Danforth shooting case that points to quite an enormous elephant in the room. For example, a Global News report from last year revealed that in 2017, Faisal's brother Fahad suffered a drug overdose and to this day remains in a coma. 
But get this, folks, in September of 2017, Durham Regional Police executed a search warrant of Fahad Shuridi, Mazam Ansari. Police seized 33 guns and even more concerning, a staggering 42 kilograms of the deadly drug carfentanil worth some $13 million. Make no mistake, 42 kilos is enough carfentanil to kill thousands of people. And yet, this didn't seem to be a big deal to police when investigating Faisal's death spree? Really? Also, as I mentioned off the top, Faisal selectively killed people that night. And here's another uncomfortable truth, as the Sun's Warmington notes in his superb story, Hussein's one act of compassion on that terrible evening was sparing the life of Jaspal Singh, who at one point was a point-blank sitting duck target for Hussein. But instead of executing Singh, Hussein told him, quote, don't worry, I'm not going to shoot you, end quote. But why? This is something that no doubt really drives the progressives cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, I should think. Also glossed over was the allegation that Hussein was reportedly in possession of several conspiracy theory DVDs on the topics of 9-11 and U.S. wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. But what the heck, despite all this, let's just stay with the narrative that Faisal Hussein was merely a troubled kid who struggled with mental illness and had a really bad day. Yeah, that's the ticket. But tell me, are you buying what they're selling, folks? I'm not. Indeed, I predicted almost a year ago that we'd never get to know the truth about the Danforth shooting. And thanks to the Friday release of the Toronto Police investigation, I have been, unfortunately, proven right. Indeed, thanks to the virus that is political correctness, could it be the real story is being concealed right before our collective eyes? Because apparently, for the powers that be, who manage the radical Islam file, to paraphrase Jack Nicholson's famous line in A Few Good Men, we just can't handle the truth. So the truth must be sanitized, you know, for our, our own protection. Gee, it makes you wonder if the Toronto Police Service also hired that Islamic spin doctor, Mohammed Hashim, to vet their report prior to releasing it. You know, to make absolutely certain things are squeaky clean and that the right narrative is being maintained when it comes to the religion of peace. I mean, killing and maiming innocent Canadians, that's bad enough, but giving Islam a bad rap? <laughs> For our progressive protectors, that would truly be the, mo the most heinous crime of all. Folks, you may recall that earlier this month, street preacher David Lynn of the Christ Forgiveness Ministry was arrested when he began preaching in Toronto's gay village. Some members of the LGBT community took exception to Lynn's street corner sermon, and shortly after that, Lynn was arrested and charged with disturbing the peace. Lynn was also ordered to avoid preaching anywhere in the gay village during pride celebrations, even though a Toronto police spokesman said that what Lynn had preached was not hate speech. 
Well, on Friday, it was deja vu all over again. Another preacher, Doré Love, went to the same area of Toronto, and just like Lynn, he was confronted by people who did not want him to be there, even though he was in a public place. And again, just like Lynn, the police responded to the commotion, charging Love with, you guessed it, disturbing the peace. Just for what? Preaching the gospel? Well, apparently that's how we roll these days when it comes to free speech. Apparently some people think they have the right not to be offended. And for whatever reason, law enforcement is catering to the whims of these people. And joining me now right here in studio is Dore Love. Dore, welcome to the Ezra Levant Show. Thanks for having me. A pleasure. Now, Dore, um, before we get more into the meat and potatoes of this, take us back to Friday when you went to the um, uh, uh, church and uh, Carlton area of the city and uh, with the intent to preach a sermon. What exactly happened, and uh, probably more importantly, given the context of the story, what exactly did you say? Well, what happened was we were going, we decided to, well, actually, this week we're actually going around a lot of places preaching. Because, uh, so Thursdays and Saturdays, we're usually downtown, but every, every other week we go, we go all these different places. So we decided to go to Carlton and church that day. And um, the, the festivities was, was actually a, a little bit away. So we decided to kind of um, not to be right in the middle of their festivities. We kind of like um, set up a little bit down the street. And we just started preaching. We started preaching the love of God, how God loves everyone, how everyone could be redeemed, how there's hope for everyone. And then um, my kind of preaching style is I like to engage with the public. So as I preach, if someone has a question, I will stop preaching and I'll start answering the questions. And, and, and just to be 100% clear, uh, there was no, you know, fire and brimstone kind no. of preaching, like, you know, you're going to burn in hell for your sexual orientation. Nothing like that. Nothing you like you that. were just preaching the gospel. Absolutely. Nothing like that. If you, if you go to my um, YouTube channel, Dory Love, you can see that my message is consistent. And um, it's, a, it's a message of love, it's a message of hope, and I always take a calm, um, passionate, um, you know, patient approach because I kind of, I had lesbian in my family, my, my sister was lesbian for a long time, I have Muslim in-laws, so I have people from all different walks of life in my family, so I have a compassion, understanding, and empathy for them. So I, I don't take that approach, I don't take the Helen Brinstein approach, I, I believe you can catch more flies with sugar than you do with doo-doo, you know? So, gotcha. Yeah. And, and without further ado, we have a clip, uh, ladies and gentlemen, of what happened. Um, and uh, the eventual arrival of the boys in blue. Let's check it out. say, Dory, um, it reminds me of the climatic scene of Horton Hears a Who, uh, you know, all those people with noisemakers and uh, uh, it, it, various musical instruments and what have, obviously trying to drown you out, yes. um, cries of, go home, get lost, 
uh, we're not into what you're preaching. So um, needless to say, it was a pretty hostile crowd. Um, and yet the, um, the police came to charge and take you away. Yes. And if you look at the video, the, the last thing that I'm saying is Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. And at that moment, that's when they grabbed me and put me in handcuffs. And, that, and that's funny because, you know, usually people say, oh, I don't, don't condemn us, don't judge us. And I was, and then if I finished, if they would have let me finish my sentence, it goes, Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but for, through him, the world would have life and have it more abundantly. And so that's when the, there was actually a cop there before. And when they started whistling in my ear and doing a whole bunch of things, I yeah. looked at him and I was like, yeah, do you think this is like legal? Aren't they like, you know, breaching my personal space or something? Because she actually had a whistle and it was right in my ear and I, yeah. my ear started ringing. And he just gave me this real hard look. And I should have known then that they were, they were plotting something. But then, yeah, as soon as I said Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, he grabbed my mic, he grabbed my arm, and he twisted it behind my back like he was angry. And I was like, uh, yo, bro, I'm not resisting. I'm a peaceful person. Like, if you want me. And then, and then he just didn't say anything. Just put, put, the, put the one on this, on this wrist very tight. And then just put, it, put my hands behind my back, grabbed my microphone. I, I thought he was going to smash it on the ground. But he just grabbed it, and I guess he put it down. And then they just, like, whisked me away. Mm. And, and Dory, uh, it's notable. As you said earlier, you set up a good block away from yes. the main festivities. People came to you, yes. I understand. It wasn't you crashing a party. And, you know, that one woman, you know, constantly saying, we're not into what you're preaching. Well, to me, if that's the case, lady, keep walking. That's I true. mean, like, you, you don't live on this corner, I presume. So um, I'm trying to understand if they don't like the message, why not just walk away from the messenger as opposed to getting law enforcement involved to actually putting the messenger into jail? Well, that's the same thing I said, too. So uh, the theme, a lot, a lot of the back and forth was, um, you know, we, we don't want you here. Well, I'm like, well, I'm not here for you. I'm here for the one person that does want me here. And, and I, even, I even pointed out that their, festiv their festivities was further up, up the road. So I said, look, if you want to enjoy your, your, your pride or your march, just yeah. continue enjoying it up the road. That's why I set up that down here. The fact that you came here, maybe it's because I have the truth. And maybe because you, you know that I have the truth, you want to hear it. And it kind of seems like, you know, they want, they want people to... Um, not only tolerate, but accept and affirm what they do, even at the expense of going against my own convictions. And that's what it seems like. They come there, some people come there and they might want to listen, but other people come there to say, no, you're wrong if you don't see things my way, you're a bigot, you're a sociopath, you're all these different things. So I think really what it is, is they're, they're coming to make me affirm who they are rather than letting me be who I am. Yeah, and I think, Dory, this is the scary thing about freedom of speech today in Canada is the fact that it's not about getting engaged in a feisty debate anymore. It's about certain people saying, because you have a differing opinion, you have to be silenced. Yes. You have to be shut down. The liberals and the progressives, they, they're all about diversity is our strength. But it seems to me that when it comes to diversity of opinions, you must march in a lockstep in one direction. And if you don't, we're going to silence you. Yeah, that's, it seems like that's where they draw the line. They draw the line. It's, it's not even, it's a fake free speech. Yeah. It's a, you're free to say what you want to say if you agree with me. Yeah. It's, not, it's not free at all. Yeah. And, and you know, Doria, I'd be remiss in not telling our audience that this is the first time we met. We met, I think it was more than two years ago. Yeah. Um, we were told that you were, again, on public property in the Young Dundas area yes. in Toronto's uh, downtown core outside the Eaton Centre. And uh, folks, check out this footage. It wasn't law enforcement, but for some reason, 
an in-center security guard decided he was going to shut down uh, Dory Love, even though Dory wasn't on Cadillac Fairview property. Check it out. So actually, what you're saying is the Quran is full of hate. But why are you arguing about the Quran? You're here to Amen. promote Amen. Christianity. Are you here to promote Christianity? No, let me, let me talk. No, okay, hold on. I don't gotta let you talk. What do you want to say? You're out of here. Hey. No, calm down, calm down. Would you have Press Go ahead, call him. Yes, call him because I have everybody. Now, what? first of all, by him even laying a hand on you is crossing the line entirely in terms of assault. I know he didn't hurt you and, mm -hmm. you know, you would never claim you were hurt by him, but he shouldn't be manhandling you and your uh, audio equipment. Uh, I remember at the time we reached out um, uh, to the Eaton Center Public Affairs people and they said uh, that was inappropriate. They they never followed up with uh, what his disciplinary action is. They'd probably hide behind uh, yeah. uh, per private security and, yes. you know, this sort of thing. Um, what was his agenda on that evening, uh, Dore, in trying to shut you down? Well, again, once again, if you see the video, another peaceful, a peaceful back and forth. That's, that's my style. I like to preach, but when you speak, I'll go back and forth. So a young Muslim lady in the crowd was just asking me about the Quran in comparison to the Bible. And that's all I was doing was ask, answering the question, not in my own opinion, yeah. actually going to the text, actually reading the text. And I read some unfavorable texts, if you want to call them unfavorable, in the Quran, but it's in there. And um, people were start, starting to say, well, you know, that's hateful. And I was agreeing with them. I'm like, well, if you believe that, if you believe, if I'm reading the Quran and you believe this is hateful, well, that's, you're saying the Quran is hateful. Mm. And I think that's what triggered the security guard, I'm assuming he was Muslim, to mm. come all the way from the Eaton Center, all the way to where I was preaching, to try to, once again, um, stifle a minister, which is illegal, stifling a minister in the process of his duties. And um, I think that's what triggered him. I think that, that, that you know, the, there's, a, there's a saying that's saying that in the, in a time of or in a time of lies, or no, in a time of universal lies, telling the truth is um, revolutionary. Mm. So I think all oh, the truth just triggered these people. You know, it, it, it's uncanny because I think even a police officer to have uh, tried to shut you down like he did would have been over the line. But yes. certainly for a private security guard, uh, I mean that is completely out of his lane. True. Um, and by the way, uh, it, we can't let it be said. You know, speaking of uh, Islam and speaking of preaching hate, you know, this has been quite a month. I mean, we had David Lynn arrested yes. uh, in the gay village. Um, we had, uh, when the Raptors were in the playoffs, we had some drunken Lugan. He came out and he said some really vulgar thing um, to the reporter. You know, I want to blank you right in the blank. It's an off-repeated phrase. It wasn't funny the first time it was said. It's not funny the millionth time it's said. Not at all. It, it was rude. It was vulgar. But certainly, you know, it doesn't uh, meet the benchmark of hate. And certainly... All the, the talk radio of the day was all about, we got to find this guy, his image is in high def. Uh, oh boy, I'd love to be his boss and fire him for being that way. Okay, and, but the trifecta was, we went down to cover the Al-Quds rally. Um, and if you want to get a barometer for hate speech in the city, <laughs> please folks, you know, go down to Al-Quds in June. And what was especially eye-opening, uh, Dore, was one individual that we spoke about that actually openly um, expressed his desire for Sharia law and that under Sharia law, it's, um, hey, no hard feelings, but we're going to have to execute gay people. Yeah. Let's check out that clip. 
in Gaza. He executed according to Islamic law. Really? Islam doesn't in endorse gayism. Islam doesn't endorse homosexuality. Well, okay, so would you like to see Sharia law in Canada replace Canadian law? At some point it will. You know, because we, are, we, are, we have families, we are making babies. You're not. You're, 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 your population is going down the slum. Right. right? Yeah. By 2060, Muslims will be the biggest religious group the world over. What are you going to do then? Actually, to oppose Sharia is even then? Wow, it never uh, fails to send some chills up my spine when I hear that individual. I'm kind of kicking myself, Dory. It came out later in our interview. He actually has children. I wish I had thought of asking him if one of his kids were to come out of the closet, so to speak, and proclaim that they were gay. Would his unconditional love as a father eclipse his desire for Sharia law and the gay killing uh, proviso? Um, to me, this almost sounds like the kind of character that might subscribe to the uh, concept of honor killing. But that's besides like that. the point. I think the point is this video got several hundred thousand views. It got retweeted around the world. And yet, in terms of the local media, in terms of the local uh, government, in terms of local law enforcement, absolutely nothing. And I'm just trying to, can you connect the dots from here, for me here, Dory, in terms of um, why is it that someone being rude at a Raptors game, someone preaching the gospel that somebody else doesn't want to hear, these are very important crimes that must be punished and someone advocating for the death of a person based on their sexual orientation, it's a, uh, oh well, hey, what can you do? You know, it, it's, 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 a, it's complicated. It seems like, I think about this all the time. It seems like maybe because we're, we're setting the laws aside for overcorrection. Maybe because of 9-11 of or since 9-11, it seems like Muslims became sympathetic figures. It seems like now because, you know, they got this whole love is love movement or they, they try to, um, you know, propagate this phony narrative that homosexuals are being persecuted every, everywhere. So it just seems like the public has this, you know, they, they, they've made these people their sympathetic figures, no matter what their ideology is, no matter how they act, no matter, um, no matter to the, to even, even all the evidence to the contrary. They have made them simple, sympathetic figures, and I think there's a like an overcorrection going on. I don't, I don't want to think it's it's something nefarious, but I talked to the police officer that 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 uh, not the police officers that arrested me, but I talked to a few police officers, and they're like a lot of them really support what we do, and they mm -hmm. say, you know what, we we wish like they'll say, oh, we wish you had free speech, we we wish that we could do this, but we we have orders to to uh, to act a certain way to, mm -hmm. towards certain people when they're in certain situations. And so it's like, it's like, so these, even though I don't want to think it's something nefarious, there's, there's the, if the police only can do what they're directed to do, their hands are tied. So it's like, so someone higher up, someone, um, you know, that, at, a higher, at a higher pay grade is, is sending these orders out there. And for some reason, overcorrection, maybe a, an agendic reason, that they're, um, they're targeting specific groups and, um, and, not, and, not, and actually elevating an, another ideology over an, or over another belief, set of beliefs. You know, I, I think you're right about that. And I think, um, you, you know, um, someone of the Islamic faith acting out violently, uh, saying something that's truly repugnant, it doesn't fill in, fit into the media narrative that Islam is a religion of peace and this whole idea of uh, victim um, narrative that they have as well. But I want to, you, you raise a very fascinating point too in terms of overcorrection. Yes. And I want to talk about overcorrection on the behalf of law enforcement. Earlier this month, I had in uh, Sue Ann Levy, uh, the superb columnist with the Toronto Sun, who, by the way, is lesbian herself. 
And her theory, and I subscribe to it 100%, Dory, is that since the Bruce MacArthur serial killing mm. debacle in yeah. the gay village, and uh, you know the allegations are the police blew the investigation. They weren't treating it as seriously as they should have, and perhaps some men died because of their um, the way they handled this case. And by the way, from everything I've read, I do believe that. I think the police they dropped the ball on this file. But because of the Bruce MacArthur serial killer story, now the police are hypersensitive to what's happening in the gay village. So uh, forget about serial killers, forget about people preaching hate, forget about people uh, intimating violence. Just the very fact that someone stands on a corner in the gay village and says something that some people there don't wanna hear, well, it's almost like calling all cars, you know, get thee to church in Wellesley. Yeah, you know, the LGBT community are real, they're calculating, they're real calculating. The first time I went to church in Wellesley, I, I, I saw how they, how they spent the news story. And it was funny that they, the, the, um, the LGBTQ community focused on the, the response time to the police. Oh. And it's funny, and I was like, wow, these, the police are the ones that, because there are radical people out there that probably will harm uh, particular minority communities. If it wasn't for the police, these are the police that, that are actually keeping these people safe from the real terror, from the real people that want to hurt them. And it's like for them to throw the police under the bus like that, for a preacher, all I was doing was preaching love. And they're like, oh, I can't believe it took 45 minutes for the police to get there. <laughs> they throw the very people under the bus that are, that are saving their high from the real terrorists out there, for the real people that want to eradicate them and not want to just evangelize them with love. So, um, but the, it's real calculating. It's, I think that was a calculating strategic angle to take, mm. to throw the police under the bus. And now because they threw them under the bus, David gets arrested, I get arrested. And it's almost like a over, um, they have, they've been empowered. Are, are you familiar with the Wilcock case? I've, I've heard about that. Mm. Where that guy, um, he, said that he said something that wasn't, oh no, he was handing out um, condoms at gay pride parade, right? Okay. But they weren't really condoms. They said, you know, God loves you, he died for your sins. Oh, okay. And they said it was hate speech. Now, instead of throwing it out of court, they're actually going through the courts right now to, to like, it, it, it was, it's a bogus case, but they decided to process it. So the, the, the fact that they decided to process it empowers people more, empowers the, the powers that be more to be like, well, if this guy can get arrested for just handing out condoms to say, you know, repent and God loves you, then how far can we push this? And that's what it seems like is going on you, now. You know, it, it's fascinating, uh, Dory, because uh, I mean, the gay community for decades, and I would argue, uh, perhaps rightfully so, when your rights are infringed upon, yeah. they have said, show some understanding, show some tolerance. And yet there are certain members in that community that I think are the most intolerant of all. Yes. And I will point to, we just had the Gay Pride Parade uh, this past weekend in Toronto. And um, two things, one is uh, the uniformed police officers, apparently at the bequest of Black Lives Matter, um, aren't, aren't supposed to march in the parade, so th they don't get to march. Um, secondly, when you look at what happens in that parade, there is full frontal nudity. Yes. And which the last time I checked the criminal code, I think I believe it's 174.1, you can't be nude in public like that. So um, again, it, it, it's so bizarre to me, uh, Dory, that the, the people running Pride are saying to the uniformed police, some of whom are gay and lesbian themselves, you are not invited, you You're can't not. come here. And by the way, we're gonna break a law, not a phony, fake hate speech law, but a law law, i.e. taking off all our clothes and don't you dare arrest anybody, and they don't dare arrest anybody. What do you make of that? 
Just double standard, man. Yeah. And, and then that's another thing. They're naked. They're naked in front of children, yeah. in front of uh, young kids. It's once again, man, it's just um, it's, it's the same. It's, it's, once again, it's the same people, the police officers that's protecting, that protects us all. Like people, there'd be anarchy if it wasn't for the police. The yeah. fact that they, the police are in the parade because the police are the ones that set up the barriers. Yeah. The police are the ones that keep people in their place. The police are the ones starting for people throwing rocks. Or they start, police are the ones, even though they're not allowed to march in the parade, they're, they're the ones that they still um, organize and keep ordering the parade. And as far as Black Lives Matters, I think that's ridiculous. There's no black people getting killed on the streets of Toronto. It's not, like, this is not America. You know, in America, I understand, okay, Black Lives Matter, whatever. But I think that's, that's just a, a silly radical movement too that, that's just uh, bogus. It's just bogus. It's just some, some people watch TV like, oh yeah, we want a Canadian Black Lives Matter. I'm so glad that black people aren't getting killed on Canadian streets. Toronto police aren't killing black people on Canadian streets at, at alarming rate. Vancouver is not happening. It's not happening in Canada. So they, Black Lives Matter need to go back to wherever they came from, and 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 um, where where things are where, where they actually needed, where they where they think that they're needed, right? But yeah. but here, why 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 bring that that type of stigmatism and that type of bad energy out here when yeah. the, when our police aren't doing that? I don't have, and so they're the ones that kick the police out, and and then they're radical and they're against the police, like they yeah. they they call them pigs, and they you know they have they they have signs that say death to pigs and stuff. There's no way that a radical, almost like terrorist-like group, anyone who says death to police, I think they're like terrorists. So there's no way a radical terrorist group should be able to kick the police out of out of a parade which they police and keep everybody safe. I think oh, that's ridiculous. Uh, I agree, Dorian. I remember um, her name escapes me, but she's uh, one of the top organizers of Black Lives Matter Toronto, and she had put out that tweet uh, where, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase, but it was words along the lines of, uh, please, please, Allah, prevent me from killing all the white folk around go. me right now, which, my goodness, if I had said that about black people, well, I wouldn't have a job anymore. I can tell you I that much. She not only is still part of the committee, she's never apologized. And in fact, I think John Tory two years ago gave her some kind of diversity award from the city of Toronto. I guess if diversity includes preaching hate, uh, you're, the, you're diversity. the diversity yeah. queen, right? <laughs> you know, so it, it, sometimes I think, Dory, the world is upside down. But before we wrap things up, yeah. I, I have to ask you, a lot of people out there are probably saying, uh, okay, we get it. Um, we have free speech still, although it's being attacked on a daily basis, it seems. But Toronto's a very big city. There are thousands of street corners where um, Dory Love could go and David Lynn could go and preach the gospel. If you already know ahead of the time that there's a lot of people in that community, the gay village, that is not receptive to your message, there's going to be a commotion, and now apparently a good chance of you being arrested, why go there in the first place? I guess what I'm saying, Dory, are you going there with a chip on your shoulder? Are you going there to provoke some kind of controversy? No, not, not at all, not at all. The thing is, so, gay, the, the gay community, they can go wherever, they, it's called free, free speech, right? And it's called public side, uh, sideways and stuff. So it's like if, they, if, 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 we, if we were to follow that logic, then how come a gay person can come to Young and Dundas? Uh, Christ Forgiveness Ministries. Uh, I've been preaching there for years. David's been preaching there for years. Ministry of the Word. I've, we've been we've been there for years. So we can we can say the same thing. Well, why are you guys bringing your gay pride parade to where we've been preaching for years? 
or or it's the same thing. Why we um, the the Bible has biblical principles that that you know basically say that homosexuality is not the best lifestyle. It's not what God created for man and man and woman. But however, the, the gay community says no. You you have to make us. You have to let us into your churches. You have to change what the Bible says so we can become priests and we can. So it, it'd be different if if they weren't trying to come to everywhere that we are, right? Mm. And and then say, oh, don't come up to where we are. Then we could have some sort of um, you know. Peace or something like okay, we won't come there, we won't come here. But then that that's a, that's segregation. That's yeah. that that leads to that's. What if I just said oh, what if I was said only you can. Uh, if what if I was said only gay people can be regu regu regulated to one certain area? Yes, that would be homophobic. You know, I would I would probably lose my job. I would I would every time someone would see my face. So oh, that's the homophobic guy. What if I said all black people have to stay in one area? The beautiful thing about Toronto is we are a melting pot of all these different communities, all these different. Um, walks of life, all these different religions, all these different ideologies, and what makes Toronto great, um, and I hope it stays like this, is that we can all come together and sometimes we can just agree to disagree. There's yeah. someone in every single neighborhood that wants to hear the gospel. The Bible says that um, the, the angels rejoice over one sinner repenting. So there could be 50 people in the, in the gay village that don't want to hear the gospel. What about that one that does? We're there for that one that does. It's not about going to provoke anger or provoke riot. We, it, that, that, that's counterproductive. Right. We, we, just, we, just, um, we believe that we're led. We believe Jesus will make the world a better place. If we all loved our enemies, if we all turned the other cheek, if we all prayed for those who persecuted us, if we all had this, uh, don't covet my, name, my neighbor's wife, don't do this, don't do that, the world will be a better place. There's Ooh. many people out there that are saving the trees. There's many people out there that's saving the, um, you know, the, the animals, don't eat animals. That's their way of making the world a better place. Mm. This is our world. This is our way to making the world a better place. And if you relegate us to just one certain area, we can't make the world a better place. We only can make that Pacific area a better place. No, you're right. Um, it should be that we can agree to disagree. And even if uh, you're a member of a different faith, even if you're an atheist, uh, that shouldn't come into the fact of curtailing your freedom to preach what you believe in in any area. One last question, Dory. Um, a, uh, can you bring us up to date on what the, the charges are against you, if there's any movement on that front? And B, I'm wondering, um, I spoke uh, uh, this weekend with a um, uh, law enforcement consultant, and he told me, judging by the video he saw in your case, the police made at least four fundamental mistakes in terms of infringing upon your rights. That leads me to ask, are you considering any kind of civil lawsuit uh, I, I, against the police? And I'll hand it over to you. Yeah, no, um, I'm, not, I'm not a big person in, in um, retaliatory type of methods. Um, yeah, I mean, I probably could, but I'm, as long as as long as nothing comes of this, as long as I'm not, I don't have a criminal record. As long as you know, as long as the charges are, are let go, which I which I believe they are, as long as, as long as you, just like when I'm on the street, if someone does something to me, I prefer not to put people in jail because mm. you know you have to you have to really do something very very wrong or very very bad to me for me to um, to try to like you know respond in a in a type of like revenge type way. So I think. I think I'm, I'm a type of person, I'm kind of a pac pacifist. Turn the other cheek, live and let live, no harm, no foul. So if, if nothing major comes out, you don't rule my record where I can't fly and I can't get, I don't, I, I've, I've gone this long with never having a record. As long as nothing that comes with it, then I'm just going to move on and continue to preach and uh, continue let, to let God take care of the people that, um, you know, the Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So let, let God take, take them and, and do what they want with them. And I'm just going to continue to do what I'm doing, just preaching, focusing on the goal 
and uh, let everyone else do what they do. Great. Well, that's fantastic, Dory. And please uh, stay in touch. Let us know when your day in court is. Um, I, I don't care if the mainstream media has now lost interest in this story, but we'd like to be down there. We'd like to tell the other side of the story. We'd like to give you a fair shake and find out what happens. And thank you so much for coming in thank you to the Ezra Levant Show. And there you have it, folks. Uh, free speech isn't free. It's being attacked every day on so many levels. You've just heard the most recent example. And uh, if you, uh, as they say, don't use it, lose it. We have to stand up for our rights and for our freedom to say what we want to believe and what we think.